0: Uh, Before we get started on Genesis 17 and pick up where we left off, I want to recap because it's been a couple weeks since we actually did anything in Genesis, so I figured we'd get a recap of where we left off, amen? Genesis 17, verse 1 through 14 is where we were a few weeks ago, and we saw God renewing his covenant with Abraham. Not really renewing it, rather he was reaffirming the covenant that he had already had with Abraham, right? We talked about how he renamed Abram to Abraham. And we talked about the fact that this covenant that God was reaffirming with Abraham was a covenant that God had already established 13 years before this, right? So Abraham lived 13 years In covenant with God, and still had not been given his part of this covenant, right? He hadn't been given the seal, the sign of circumcision yet. Amen. God had made this covenant back in Genesis 15, and we've come 13 years into the future to now God is giving Abram, or Abraham rather, his side of the covenant. Amen. God gives Abraham his part of obedience, the sign of the covenant, circumcision, that all males eight days and older must be circumcised. Amen? Now I have a little note that I want to read from the Holman King James Study Bible on chapter 17, verse 9 through 14. It says, God now placed one final covenant-related demand on Abraham and his seed. Circumcision. This surgical removal of the foreskin of the penis was typically done with a razor sharp flint knife. Joshua 5 verse 2 and 3. On newborns it was performed when the boy was 8 days old. No form of female circumcision was authorized. This surrender of the first portion of the bodily instrument used to fulfill God's first command to humanity, be fruitful and multiply, Genesis 128, symbolized the individual's willingness to submit all of himself to God and to his covenant commands. That's, in a nutshell, exactly what this covenant of circumcision or the the off the the sign or seal of circumcision represented it represented the the heart of the individual that he was totally willfully submitting himself to God and to God's command covenantially okay what is the sign or the seal that we talk about in the new covenant for this Baptism. Baptism is a sign of something that's already been done, already taken place. A covenant has already been made, just like this. It's 13 years later. Amen. The reality of baptism is baptism tells everyone, I am going to live my life for God. I am covenanting. This is the sign, seal of the covenant baptism doesn't save any more than circumcision saved okay because how many hebrew people from this point on are going to get circumcised yet their hearts are far from him amen they are not even though they have a covenant in the flesh they do not have that covenant in their heart amen This reality of the covenant and the seal of the covenant is very important for us to understand. Biblically, this circumcision did not define the whole entirety of the covenant. Now, God does put restrictions on here and says anyone who doesn't get circumcised, he's not part of the covenant. Amen? Amen? Now, a lot of people will make the transition then, if, it, if you don't get circumcised, you're not part of the covenant. If you don't get baptized, then you're not part of the covenant. That's not taught in the New Testament. That kind of transition of covenantal thought does not translate in the New Testament. Okay. Now, are we commanded to get baptized? Yes. But does baptism or the lack of baptism keep you from going to heaven? No. Okay? No. Now, with that being said, I would seriously question someone who says they believe in Christ, they have a relationship with Christ, but refuse baptism. Amen? I would question them. Why do you refuse baptism? What purpose do you think refusing baptism serves you? Amen. To me, it's an object of pride. Okay. I, oh, well, I'm with Christ, but I don't have to do that. Well, if you're in Christ and submitted to Christ and Christ is the Lord of your life, then you will say whatever Christ tells me I have to do, that I should do, that I must do, then I'm going to do that. Amen. So I would say that there's serious error in someone who claims to be a follower of Christ, but refuses baptism. Okay. Just like someone who said they were a follower of Yahweh but would refuse circumcision. Amen. There's a heart issue. There's something going on. So this is where we left off. We left off at verse 14 where, where, uh, excuse me, where uh, any uncircumcised man whose flesh of the foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Amen. So. It's very important for us to realize that this has now been part of the covenant. Amen. Although Abram was not required to get to do this to get into the covenant. Now that he's in the covenant, this is a requirement. Amen. Now I want to tell you something unequivocally. Once you get saved, you don't have to do anything to be saved. But once you get saved... (laughs) Part of the covenant is getting baptized. (laughs) Amen. Part of the covenant is taking the Lord's Supper. Part of the covenant is following his commands. Part of the covenant is being a part of a local church and spreading the gospel. This is all part of the covenant. It's not necessary to get into the covenant, but it is a requirement after you're in the covenant. Amen. Just like Abram. Didn't do anything to get a covenant made with him, did he? God chose Abram, said, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and didn't put any stipulations on the covenant, right? So he could get into the covenant with no strings attached. But once he got into the covenant, God then reveals here, this is going to be your part. This is how everyone else is going to know your mind. Amen? So this is very important. Not only that the understanding here is the foreskin the the male anatomy that was to be fruitful and multiply and, and and subdue the earth that first command is very much in view here that God is making a covenant on this basis amen and it's all about the seed right there's a reason that God has him circumcised his penis is because not only is God talking about this first command, but he's also foreshadowing the seed that was to come that would redeem all mankind. Amen. And that seed (laughs) was going to come through Abram's line, right? Through Isaac. Amen. So we're going to pick right back up we're going to read through it, verse, uh, se- uh, chapter 17, verse 15 through 27. We're just going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and dissect it like normal, okay? Verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her. And give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. And she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abram said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have made, excuse me, behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly twelve princes shall be he beget and i will make him a great nation but my covenant will i establish with isaac which sarah shall bear thee at this time in the next year and he left off talking with him and god went up from abraham and Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought, or excuse me, bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the self same day as God had said unto him. And Abraham was ninety nine, was ninety years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, son, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael, his son. And all the men of his house, born in the house and bought with money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. Now, I titled tonight's message, Implementation. God told Abram in the Abraham excuse me Spent so long saying Abram now I'm having a hard time saying Abraham right it's crazy anyway God in the first section of this chapter tells Abraham look I'm gonna make a covenant with you it's gonna you know your Sarah's gonna have a baby and all that right But he he also tells him, you're going to walk before me, you're going to keep my covenant, you're going to keep my covenant, and tells him, this is the covenant, you're going to get circumcised, right? Gives him circumcision in the first part of this chapter. Now is the implementation of that uh, promise or command of God, right? So Abraham is going into obedience mode and doing exactly what God told him to do when God was talking with him. Amen. Now I want to start off where we start off at verse 15 and 16 where Sarai is now going to be Sarah. Amen. Verse 15, Sarai is now renamed to Sarah, okay? And the the name change in her case is not that great because Sarai Which means little princess is now just princess. Amen. So it went from little princess to princess. Okay. And maybe the detraction of little to just princess is shadowing the fact that God is going to bless her. Okay. Not just bless her once, but you'll see God says he's going to bless her twice. Right. Uh, But. This is a name change is very important. I want you to also understand that Sarah is the only woman specifically named by God that he will bless her. Okay. This is the only woman in the Old Testament where God says I will bless her. Specifically Sarah. I'm going to bless her. Amen. It's the first woman, only woman, matter of fact, in all of the Old Testament that God says this direct language to. I will bless Sarah. I'll bless her. Amen. That's pretty significant, right? I think that's significant for many reasons, and it's because God's establishing the covenant that's going to end up saving all of those who believe. Amen. This is the covenant of God making his plan of salvation and enacting it through the seed of this man, Abraham. Amen. Now, uh, verse, I have a, another note here from the uh, Holman King James study Bible. It's really good. This has really good notes on this section, okay, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, The ESV has really good notes on this section. Uh, It's a little less thorough than I wanted, except for when it's talking about Isaac. It's got like a whole paragraph, and I really enjoyed both of them. But this one, it says, The Lord decreed that Abraham's wife Sarai now is to receive the name Sarah, princess, which is an alternate form of Sarai. This princess would be given the privilege of producing nations. Kings of people would come from her. During the Old Testament period, at least four nations came from Sarah's womb. Israel, Judah, Edom, and uh, the Amalekites. uh, Within Israel and Judah, collectively, a total of 41 kings reigned. Sarah is the only woman in the Old Testament whom the Lord specifically indicates that he would bless very interesting okay now i want you to understand you can read from this note 41 different princes right 41 different kings come from sarah whereas ishmael here in just a moment is only promised 12 right 12 princes shall come from him and he'll be a great nation singular right Understand that even though Ishmael isn't part of the covenant, he's blessed. But his blessing, in contrast with Abraham's blessing, the blessing that goes upon Sarah, and the blessing that follows along with uh, Isaac, is much less great. His blessing, Ishmael's blessing, is far less great than the blessing that goes through the line of promise. Amen. Uh that, that's something that we definitely must see in the text. You know what I mean? Because God is faithful to his word. And you can see it throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Amen? And obviously the New Testament as well. Now, verse uh, 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Now, it's interesting. Okay? We spend a lot of time talking about Sarah laughing in the next chapter. Right? A lot of... A lot of people talk about Sarah laughing. We didn't even, most of the time we forget that Abraham laughed first, okay? Abraham laughed long before Sarah even laughed, okay? This is, Abraham is laughing here before she laughs, okay? Now, it's interesting for many reasons, and I'll tell you why, okay? Now, watch this. He it, Abraham falls on his face and laughed and said, In his heart shall a child be born of him that is a hundred years old. Now he's exaggerating. He's ninety-nine, right? But he's like, I'm a hundred years old, right? Go ahead. But But Abraham circumcised when he's ninety-nine. This is the same conversation that we're having. It happens the self same day that the Lord talked to him. He circumcises himself. Well, at this point, he didn't tell him. At this time, he didn't tell him yet that it was going to be 100 a year from now. That's what I'm saying. He hasn't said that yet. God hasn't said that yet. You know what I mean? So Abram is just, you know, he's like rounding up. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm 100 years old. How's this going to happen? Right? So God, it may be that because Abraham says this, God's like, okay, in a year when you are 100 years old, I'll make sure you know that I'm God and I'm going to give you a baby. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) So I could see that. But it's obvious that he's going, I'm 100 years old. What are you, crazy? Right? Like Sarah's 90 years old. There's no way we're having babies, right? Like he probably gave up. First of all, Abraham here laughs before Sarah does In the next chapter verse 12 of chapter 8 He believes he and Sarah are too old to have children What about now watch this Verse 17 or verse 18 excuse me Abraham said unto God Oh that Ishmael might live before thee So here Abraham is he's going Okay I'm too old Sarah's too old But what about Sarah's plan B Remember, Sarah's got a plan B. It was Ishmael, right? That was Sarah's plan B. Now, you remember who Abram's plan B was, right? Eleazar, right? We found that in, uh, what, chapter 15, verse 2, where Abram had his, he he had his plan B, and God's like, no, this Eleazar guy, he's not going to be the guy. And God does the same thing here when he's like reminding him, what, 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 You know, what about Ishmael? What about plan B here? Sarah's plan B, right? He's like, look, I don't need your plan B, and I don't need her plan B, okay? I got plan A, and plan A won't fail. I'm going to stick with plan A, okay? You got to understand, Jesus was not plan B, okay? Jesus is all a part of plan A. Amen. Amen? There was never a plan B D or any other plan It's always been plan A Amen We're only going to stick with plan A Sarah Verse 19 Watch this And God said Sarah Thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed In other words I don't need your plan B (laughs) I got plan A I don't want plan B Plan B is not part of the plan A Okay Now, he said, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Now, Isaac, the generic term that we've heard all forever now, is that Isaac means laughter, just simply laughter. But there's a term, the term here, Isaac, and the literal meaning of Isaac is he laughed. Or he laughs. And it's interesting that God names him Isaac after Abraham laughs. Because Isaac means he laughs. Amen? Now, I would say it this way. Maybe it's not talking about Abraham laughing, but God laughing. Amen? Because many of the plans of the wicked... But the Lord laughs He laughs At them why because he's not Going to be pulled into your plan B okay he's not Getting pulled into your thoughts Many are the uh, 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 Many are the the steps of You know many are the thoughts Of a man's heart but the Lord Establishes His ways right Very important for us to remember these things So it could mean Abraham Laughs or it more probably, in my opinion, is that God's the one laughing, going, no, I'm going to show you, okay, you'll see when it's all over that I get the last laugh, (laughs) amen, I think that's more probably what's happening, because Abraham is probably still going, I'm 99 years old, what is he talking about, why wouldn't he take Ishmael, Ishmael's a good looking kid, he's You know, 13 years old, he's doing everything right. He's living with me. We're here to take care of him. Why wouldn't you take Ishmael? I don't need your plan. I got my own. That's God saying here. I don't need plan B. I don't need your plan B. I need you to get in line with plan A. (laughs) Amen. Come to plan A. This is this is not one of those smorgasbord health plans where you get to pick, you know, uh, a plan A, B, C or the the addition of C and D together or, you know, you know, when you go through your all your different health plans at work, there's like the really premium one that costs all your whole paycheck. And then you can get, like, the bottom layer plan that you only pay five bucks, but you hope that you never have to go to the hospital because you're going to pay, like, a 14 bajillion dollar copay, right? That's what happens when you pay with your own, when you try to work with plan D, okay? When you try to work with plan D, it may seem easier, it may seem cheaper, it may seem better, but in the long run, it'll cost you more. God doesn't want your plan B. He wants to implement plan A. Amen? That's what what we're talking about when we're spreading the gospel to all these people. They all want plan B. They all want their plan. They don't want God's plan. They want their plan. And some of them say they want God's plan, but they want God's plan on their terms. But... Just like when you go to work, you don't get to dictate the terms of the health care plan, right? You have to take the terms that are there. You get to pick through them, right? There's a choice. A or hell. (laughs) Right? You get A or hell. That's the choices with Christ. You're either for him or against him. You either believe or you don't believe. Amen? Amen? That's that's the health care plan. That's the that's the salvation message. Choose you this day. Amen. That's it. Now, I'm having a lot of fun with verse 19. If you can't tell. okay. (laughs) God intends to make his covenant with Isaac and Isaac's children. Uh, Verse 20. I love how God words this. Okay, verse 20 says, as for Ishmael. I have heard you. Uh, In other words, Ishmael is not forgotten. Ishmael gets blessed, but it's because God heard Abraham. That's what God says, right? I have heard thee. Now, watch this. Normally, when it says, Behold, he's telling him, Look, I have blessed him, I will make him fruitful. I will multiply him exceedingly. Doesn't this sound like covenantal promises? Right? I'll bless him. I'll multiply him exceedingly. And he says, 12 princes shall he beget. And I will make him a great nation. So Ishmael seemingly gets the promise of Abram when the promise started. Remember when the promise first started? He told him, I will make you a great nation. And now we've gotten all this way. And he's talking about not only blessing Abraham and making him a great nation. But he's blessing Sarah and nations and kings are going to come out of her. Amen. So so the blessing on Abram went from nation to nations to the father of many nations. Right? That that expounded, right? It seems as if Ishmael's getting the first portion of that promise where Abram was going to be a great nation, remember? So that's where Ishmael's getting that kind of level right there where he's like, you're going to be a great nation. You're going to be great. There's going to be 12 princes that come from you, but my covenant's going to be with Isaac. Now this is a problem for a lot of people, Okay. I want to read a couple notes that I wrote down. Ishmael was not forgotten, but blessed because God heard Abraham. He makes him fruitful, multiplies him exceedingly. Twelve princes are going to come from him, and he is going to be a great nation. Verse 21 is the hinge point of our understanding of where Ishmael falls in God's thought process. Okay, In God's thought process... He blesses Ishmael. He told, he told Hagar he would bless Ishmael, right? He told her he would. Now he tells Abram, I'm going to bless him because I hear you. I hear you. I heard you. But Abraham, he tells Abraham unequivocally, I'm not going to make my covenant with Ishmael. My, ish, my covenant will be with Isaac. Amen. Look at verse 21. He says, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time in the next year. Now he tells him a year from now. Now it could be because Abram had already popped off and been like, I'm 100 years old. And God's like, okay, when you're 100, I'm going to show you that I'm God because I can make you have a baby at 100 and I can make Sarah have a baby at 91. Amen? Nothing is impossible for God. Amen? Now, I want to read you just a, a quick quote, but this, this idea that God is going to skip Ishmael and not bless him is a very big deal in modern Islamic circles. Well, Ishmael's the firstborn. But we have God's own words saying, "I am not making my covenant with Ishmael." Amen. So, regardless of the fact that Abram or Ishmael is a child of Abraham, the covenant did not go through Ishmael; it went through Isaac. So, no matter how they trace their lineage back through Ishmael to Abraham, they are still not part of God's covenant promise. It has to be through Isaac. And every Christian is a child and heir according to the promises of Abraham. Right? We're grafted into the line of the covenant. You get that? We're not grafted into just any old son of Abraham. We're grafted into The line of the covenant. It's very, very important in understanding where we fit. Now, I wrote a note down from the Reformation Heritage Study Bible, and it says this. God is free in choosing his people. God was free when he chose Noah. God was free when he chose Abraham. God was free when he chose David, even though David was the youngest son of Jesse, wasn't the oldest son, wasn't the one that would have inherited, wasn't, amen? God was, it was God's choice when he chose Jacob instead of Esau, amen? God's prerogative in choosing his people cannot be taken away from him, amen? We can't look at God and go, well, God, you can't. Choose me and not that person. God can choose whoever he wants. He did so all throughout the Bible. Amen. To tell God he can't do what he's determined to do is tantamount to heresy. Amen. We have to understand. Romans 9, I want to flip over there real quick and just read two verses, okay? Romans 9 is not the easiest chapter for any Christian to read, okay? So we'll, we'll only do it in small doses. We're only going to read verse 6 and 7. But verse 6 and 7 are very specific about God's electin- election process, okay? Romans chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Now watch this. This is the same chapter, and we can read it here in a minute. But he says, But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Now, he's making the case that not even those who are born in the line of Israel, born in the line of the promise, are actually of Israel. Right? He's saying, but it's not... It is not, though, as the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not and not all are children of Abraham because there are because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Now, notice that they're telling you Abraham had other sons. It's great, but they're not the sons of promise. And how do we get to be in the covenant of the sons of promise? By faith in Christ. Amen. Now we could go down a little farther where, where he says, uh, verse 10, he says, And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And this, people see injustice in this because they go, well, God can't just pick one person to make his covenant through and reject the other person. Sure he can. He's God. And he did did it all throughout the Old Testament. Eight people. Eight people were all that was saved of the human race. God chose eight people, and the rest of humanity died. That's election. That's God choosing. But when we hear that story, we go, we see the mercy in it, right? Why do we see the mercy in it? Because God could have rightly wiped out all of humanity. Although Noah was righteous in his generation, it doesn't say Noah was altogether righteous. It doesn't say that Noah was altogether sinless. It just says that Noah was righteous in his generation. Amen? What that means is Noah was righteous in comparison with everyone else. But if we were to make the comparison to God, Noah could have just as easily been wiped out as all the other millions of people that got wiped out in the flood. And we see God's grace in that. Amen? God does not have to save anyone. And the fact that God does save anyone is grace. It's gracious that God would do that. Amen. Now I know that's hard because we go, oh, that does not take away from this fact. The gospel is proclaimed and offered to all men everywhere. Amen. It is unequivocally Jesus says whosoever will and that he means it whosoever will amen that doesn't take away from that we must understand that this idea is God's perspective solely his perspective because we don't always see what God sees let me rephrase that we very rarely see anything God sees let alone A microscopic bit of what God sees. Can I say it like it really is? Because Paul said we see as in a glass darkly. Amen? That's it. We see what God chooses to reveal to us in Scripture. That's it. (laughs) The secret things definitely belong to God. Amen? So in, in great mysteries that are the work of the gospel... There's still great mystery. Amen. That's why Paul called it that. Because he couldn't explain it all either. But what he could explain was this. If you have faith in Christ. You can be saved. Amen. And that's what we preach. Christ him crucified. To everybody. And let God sort it all out. Amen. <laughs> we can't do anything other than that. Now. Now. Let's move on. He said, and he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. This is interesting, okay? First of all, just, let, just wrap your minds around this, that God was sitting down here talking to Abraham, and when he got done, when he's done talking, he went back up. It made me think, so I wrote down a little paragraph here, and I wanted to give it to you. We are told God went up from Abraham. Surely it should be seen as grace that God would stoop down and come low to speak to any man. God being so great and so holy and so righteous, the very act of stooping down, condescending to come to talk to Abraham is an act of grace in itself. Because God didn't have to do it. God, because of love in Christ, God, because of love in Christ, much more graciously condescended and stooped down and took upon himself human flesh. Here, though, he has stooped to speak with Abraham. Then he departs back up into heaven, Rising back up to the place of exaltation. Rising back up to the place uh, 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 of holy uh, reign and rule. Amen? This is amazing that God would stoop down, come down physically to talk to Abraham. That's grace. Amen? It's grace. Abraham didn't deserve it. Amen. Now we know Abraham is lauded as a man of faith. One of the in the hall of faith in the hall of heroes in Hebrews chapter 11. But we saw Abraham lie about his wife being his wife. About had her married off. And he'll do it again later. Right. This is the guy. Amen. He didn't deserve God coming down talking to him any more than you or I would. Amen? But it's grace that God would even stoop down to talk to Abraham. How much more grace did it take for God to stoop down and take on human flesh and come and live a perfectly sinless life to die an atoning sacrifice for sin and to die in our place? You want to talk about condescension stooping down bringing yourself low being in a state of humiliation this is a picture of Christ coming down in his humiliation and then Christ again being exalted in his glorification at the resurrection it's foreshadows all throughout this story of the seed that's to come Amen. Finally, verse 23 through 27, we have Abraham going through the covenant. He's he's even though the covenant would not be passed down or inherited through the line of Ishmael, Ishmael was still required to take the sign of the covenant as God had commanded Abraham. Why did did Ishmael get uh, circumcised in? Because he was in Abraham's house and he wasn't a grown man yet. He was 13, living under Abraham's roof. And every male child, eight days old and older, had to get circumcised as a part of this covenant. God said that, right? So Abraham was faithful to his promise and it even records how old Abraham was and how old Ishmael was when they got circumcised. Abraham was 99 years old and Ishmael was 13 years old. So Ishmael was 14 years older than Isaac. Now, you've got to understand that later on when we read about Isaac or Ishmael being uh putting Isaac down, making fun of him pretty much. You're talking about a kid that's probably close to grown, you know, 18, 19 years old by that time, you know? And when he's cast out him and his mom, right? Now it's very interesting to me though that even though Ishmael wasn't going to be the line of promise, he was still partaker in the covenant. And every other male child and slave and family member that lived under Abraham's roof was partakers of the covenant. Okay? If you want an idea of why people think uh infant baptism is a thing it's because they go back to this idea and they apply this idea of everyone in the house being a partaker of the covenant and they apply that to Cornelius and his family who were all saved and it says they were all baptized right and they say well this has to be the same thing that was going on in In Genesis when everyone in Abraham's household had to be uh, sealed with the sign of the covenant right and they apply that to Cornelius's house and say see everyone there was sealed with the sign of the covenant of baptism but they missed the part where it says they all believed (laughs) amen they missed that part at Cornelius's house it says, and all that heard it believed. Amen? All were filled with the Spirit. Okay? The Spirit was the sign that they had been born again. (laughs) Amen? Amen. So they had all received it. So that's why theologically uh, most Protestants don't Affirm infant baptism is because even though we see a shadow of that in the Old Testament, we don't see it applied that same way specifically in the New Testament. We, but what we do see applied to baptism is that people believe and then they're baptized. That's what we see. Amen? But I can see how they would make this connection. Amen. I can see how they would say everybody in the Abrahamic covenant was sealed with the sign. Everybody in the family, everybody under Abraham's house. And then we see the same thing in Cornelius's. You know, I can see how they would apply that that way. I don't agree with it, but I can see how they do it. Amen. Now, I'm going to leave this off with this understanding that Abraham, this story with Abraham getting the covenant is very important for me as a pastor, to let you know, this is, for me, it would definitely affirm that I would seek to have my children be a part of the covenant. I would want to disciple them, raise them up, have them uh, believe and be baptized. That should be the goal of every Christian parent. Amen. It should be our goal that they are partakers of the covenant. Amen. Now, I can't apply it the same as I see it in Abraham's case in the case of baptism because we see overwhelming evidence of believers being baptized. But that should motivate us to be disciples in our, or d- disciplers in our home. Amen. To make sure that our children come to faith in Christ with everything in us l- like we have any like we have any say of it anyway okay but it shouldn't hinder us from attempting to preach the gospel to them to model the gospel to them to to uh lay upon their conscience the weight of sin and their place and where they are so that they would come to believe in christ when we present the gospel amen that's how i think this is rightly uh uh, divided into the new testament amen Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the covenant of grace that we are under. Lord, we thank you that faith in Christ alone is what saves us and makes us heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ according to the promises of Abraham, that we would be grafted into the line of promise, the seed of David, the seed of Abraham, that we might be children of the Most High God. Lord, we ask that you would help us as we we teach and admonish our children these things, that they would come to know Christ and have their faith placed surely and firmly in him. Lord, we ask for your grace as we reach out to this community, that you would help us to teach and disciple those who who, who we have influence over. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.